Hi, Talking Shop listeners. Just a note before the episode, there are some audio issues throughout. One of the mics kept, uh, the battery kept dying, and we would lose audio without warning. My stalwart audio engineer, Omar, did his best to make sure that we could salvage as much audio as we could. Only a few spots, we actually lost the audio altogether, but for the most part, it's there, and my conversation with Sam was just so great. I wanted to make sure that I could get out what I could. So um, apologies in advance if parts of it are annoying to listen to, but I hope that the content is good enough to make it worthwhile. Enjoy. Talking Shop, the podcast where I dive into my guest relationship with their work to learn why they love to do what they do. Holding the Hanukkah mug tonight is actor, director, writer, and teacher, Sam Turek. Sam has been a professional improviser for over 15 years. He's directed at the Gotham City Improv in New York, where he created the long-running weekly mainstage show Off the Top of Our Heads. Sam has acted on stage and screen and is currently in post-production on Progression, a full-length feature about a progressive dinner in Lawrenceville. It's applause worthy, right? <laughs> um, I've had limited chances to work with Sam, but when I have, it has always been really wonderful, and I'm very excited for the opportunity to sit down and talk with him, uh, and then to try to, pl- uh, to play the way that Sam does in a well, I, I'm really excited to do a short form set with him today, as Sam chose to do. So please welcome to already on the stage, <laughs> Sam Turek. <laughs> Am I saying that right? Uh, you're, you're doing a liquid U, which is pretty. What, how do you say it? Turek. Turek. Like Zurich. What is a, a liquid a U? A liquid is when you uh, make the U sound like Turek. 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 That's kind of what you were doing. So you say Turek. Yeah. Turek, like Zurich. Yeah, and I shouldn't because it's a Croatian name and it's supposed to be pronounced Turic. Really? Yeah, which is why, but it didn't have an H on the end. If you look at, like, Croatian names often have a C with a little, like, dili over the the C. I should really learn what that's called. Yeah. (laughs) It looks like a comma or a single quote mark, but it's on top of the I am right. I know what you mean. And that makes a sh sound. And so when the great-grandfather came through Ellis Island and he said, Turich, they were like, great, we'll put an H it's on there. And then everyone will say it right. But now it looks like it should be that hard K sound. And people started saying it that way sometime before I was born. And now that's how my family says it. I see. I feel... I feel like I've done your family a disservice by is gray, passing that is along. Is Gray the actual name of your family, or was it Gray house? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You don't actually. know, really? I don't. What? I have a book that like dates my family back many, many years, but it's always Gray. I've never really read it. <laughs> it's a tragedy <laughs> to my grandmother. I hope she's not listening to this. Um, this is a great point to start because. Uh, I I have come under some criticism for not talking to guests at all about their background oh, good. on the show, which is the premise of my show. Um, but I wanted to experiment with a little bit of background, okay. not only about your name, which is fascinating, um, <laughs> but but also about your um, your career a little bit. So so you're you're sort of a jack of all trades. You write, you direct, you act, you improvise. Um, which of those kind of came first for you? Uh, I started acting first, and, uh, you know, when I was in college, uh, there was this really awesome improv troupe, and I had already started uh, acting and was, like, running one of the campus theater troupes, and didn't, I either didn't have the time to go out and audition for the improv troupe, 
or I was too scared to go out and audition for the improv troupe, and I'm not sure, never, never been known for sure which one it was. But as soon as I got out of college, I ran and signed up for improv classes and started <laughs> improvising right away. So, like in your, in in retrospect, or just in your mind, you weren't sure. You were like the time was an excuse, but it might have been convenient. I, I think so, and I was very friendly with all the improvisers and went to all of their shows and was a groupie and. Mm. Um, Wanted so badly to do it and didn't do it. Were you were you afraid of it though when you started? Oh, absolutely! Like, yeah. yeah, terrified. Uh, we'll get back there. That's interesting. Which like so now that you do all these things, is there a role that you feel more comfortable in, or is it just you dabble around and it's? Yeah, um, I uh, I've been focusing on directing a lot over the last five to ten years now, really, and uh, I really like doing that a lot and I feel like it's a way to use all of the different skills that I have at the same time yeah is there so um, uh, when you're directing like is there a, a part of it particularly that is I guess just that fact that you get to use them all together like is there a part of it so sometimes I feel like if I'm using all these things but like I'll just long to get back to just be on stage and like I haven't done straight acting in a long time um, do you do you feel some of those longings? Or you just you get yeah, enough definitely. of it directing. Yeah, it, well, because when you're just being an actor, you have a lot less responsibility, and it's <laughs> what you do. And it's it's uh, I, I do occasionally sort of uh, jump back to just having to memorize my lines and and not you know I get to yeah. leave at the end of the night. Bye everybody, and walk <laughs> out and uh, not be concerned for everything else that you have to worry about when you're directing a play or, or a movie. It's really fun now that I've moved into working on camera more to um, show up and do a day on somebody's movie and watch as they pull their hair out and wonder if they're going to make their day. <laughs> just, I just eat. I just graze at craft services all day long. Uh, uh, the, now you know what he's doing mm-hmm. on your movies all the directors who listen to this podcast. Um, so speaking of directing, you directed um, Off the Top of Our Heads. I believe you directed that, yeah? I did. I, I, I made it up and then directed it, yeah. Uh, yeah, which won a bunch of awards. Um, do, can you tell me a little bit about that show and what it, how you conceived of it and, and what it was? Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, sort of a matter of necessity. At uh, Gotham City Improv, we had a... We had a main stage company that had been doing all of the... uh, I was not in the main stage company. I had sort of recently come through the training program, had just started teaching, was in their, like, secondary company there, and we were doing only long form. And this was at a time in New York when the long form wave was just sort of starting to crest, and everybody was really interested in doing long form. And... So we were doing it too, and um, we'd started out training for short form, hadn't done it for a couple of years, and then the main company wasn't available for a corporate show, and so they sent the secondary company out to do the corporate show, and we were supposed to do short form, because that's generally what you do for a corporate show, because it's really easy to understand, and it's quick and snappy, and they're drunk, and they can't follow a long form (laughs) show. And, uh, and our skills were just, were, it, was, it was a terrible show. Mm. We had a really rough time with it. And I, when I first started training back before I joined Gotham City Improv, I did all short form. And so I knew how to do it, and I knew how to do it well. And I went to the artistic director of the company and said, let me, let me do a short form show so that we have people here who are trained up to go out and do these corporate gigs and do them well. So you were working with people who had only ever done long form? So they had done, everybody had done some short form, mm. but we, they just hadn't done it in a while. Yeah. And so what we didn't have was really sharp skills and a good sharp show that we could, um, that we could just throw up in front of any group of novice audience members, which is really honestly what, it, what it's about, I think. The reason that short form plays better on those those corporate type jobs not, is... Not comedy audiences. Yeah, and people for whom the sort of constant explanation of short form really helps them stay engaged with the show and helps them understand what's going on. And um, it's all well and good to come out and tell audiences that have never seen long form before, this is all going to be improvised. 
and then 20 minutes later, they're kind of wondering what it is that they're watching because they haven't had the reinforcement of like, and by the way, remember, what you're seeing here is improvised and that's why it's exciting and that's what's so uh, interesting about it and why it's so funny. And short form does that. It's that sort of constant reminder of, remember everybody, we're making this up. Let's get more suggestions. Let's keep you engaged in this show. So, so when was there like a philosophy around the show, or is it just like we want to do uh, better quality short form and work with people to make sure they know how to do short form? The, the really the the main philosophy behind that the company that we started was anybody can come in and work with us anytime they want. Um, it was a totally open door. Um, for rehearsal, so we rehearsed all day Saturday, every Saturday in New York, and um, it was a total drop in. Anybody was welcome to come and work with us. You had to earn your way into the performance mm. every uh, every Saturday night. So um, we had we had people who would you know show up from out of nowhere and be great, <laughs> and yeah. would get into the show the second week. And we had people that came and worked with us and worked and worked hard and tried and just couldn't ever crack into the into the performance company because they just they didn't show the skills that they needed. So I think one of the big philosophies was train them up as much as you can, but the other one was you don't get to play in front of an audience if you haven't mastered the skills that we're trying to teach you. Now that was hard for people because as you know, as you know, an improv community is always um, very yes oriented and get out there, yeah, go for it. But we were trying to do something that was sharper and more professional than that. Definitely. Uh, and talking about your, the process of that show, I want to, I guess, talk a little bit about your, your thought process. Um, so uh, Dylan Diatlo, uh, friend of the theater, uh, you taught him <laughs> at University of Pittsburgh, um, and he said one of the um, high marks of your teaching is this sort of guided self-discovery um, and We'll get into that hopefully a little bit later, but in your in your own work, have there been specific moments of self-discovery that stand out for you, or maybe like a a concept crystallized? Or it it seems like the way you teach it is really focused on keeping journals or focusing on your own work. And I thought maybe there were times that you might have noticed in your own something that might be interesting. Um, yeah, you know, the the very first improv class that I ever took uh, was at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, right after I got, I went to Columbia, New York, and I uh, grew up here in Pittsburgh, so I came back to Pittsburgh for a, a little while right after I graduated before I moved back to New York, and um, I took this improv class, and it was tw- it was twice a week, so it was, and th- for three hours each time, so it was pretty intensive, yeah. sort of a summer intensive, um, with one of the, with two, actually, of the CMU professors who had started uh, a theater sports troupe, which is a it's a kind of trademarked short-form show that makes the improv show like a sporting event, sort of. So, like, <laughs> there are two teams, and they're, like, competing against each other. And, and that, was, that was one answer to how do you train an audience to understand what the improv is. And right. so the idea was it's like a sporting event. Everybody knows how to interact with a sporting event. So I was cooking in that. Pittsburgh for a little while. I didn't know that yeah. that was a CMU spawn. Uh, yeah, the, the, both, the people who were running it were both uh, on the faculty at CMU. So I was in this class, and I, uh, I kept a journal. I had just gotten out of college, and so I was you know, taking lots of notes and um, really would, would come home from this three-hour rehearsal and write for another two hours about every scene that I'd done and every, uh, every, every actor in the class. And I was such a nerd. I would, I would rank everybody <laughs> at the end of class. Oh, because I knew that they were going to invite, like, the top two or three people from this class to join their, oh. their troupe at the end of the class. So I, was re- I really wanted to do that. And um, the other, the, one of the guys in the class was Christian Borel, who is now a Broadway actor who won a Tony last year nice. for, uh, for a play called uh, Peter and the Star Catchers and is still a friend. Um, so I want to get to this realization, but, like, when you were ranking people, was it to, like, so you would try to play scenes with the people you thought were better, or is it just part of your no, process it was of, just, like... It was, it was part of the process of me trying to make sure that I was doing good enough work that I'd get invited into the company cool. at the end of the thing, yeah. No, I wouldn't, I mean, I, would, I don't remember 
sort of angling. That's to my, get, that's get my on own stage with malicious people. brain. No, thinking yeah, that's what you were thinking. I should have. That would have been a better <laughs> idea. Uh, all right. So you, you, but that was that came to a realization or your realization or like. I, th- I, I think that was just where the discovery process came from. I mean, uh, I don't know if yeah, if that was necessarily coming to a realization. Certainly, when I became a teacher, looking back on it, um, I encourage students to do that because I got so much out of it, and I reviewed those notes for years after wow. I went through that very first class that I took. It was so helpful. To and like, what? So what? Particularly, and this might be just hard to think of an example. Like, what kind of insight would you? get out of the notes looking back? Um, you know, since I was brand new to it, uh, really basic stuff, exactly how the game is supposed to be played, mm. what I figured out about the game that night when I played it. Um, also, and honestly, because I was doing that <laughs> vicious ranking of everybody, like <laughs> trying to figure out what makes an improviser a good improviser and, and uh, what people's strengths and weaknesses are and, and really thinking about it uh, critically like that, I think, was uh, helped me a lot. Um, so when you... So I'm trying to figure out more of maybe what some of those insights were. Like when you... And this probably changed over time. When you walk onto a blank stage into a scene, and is there something that happened in the first 10, 15 seconds of that scene or first few lines that you think, like, I know this scene is going to work, is going to be good, or I'm going to have fun in this scene? No. No? Mm-mm. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean the the I I don't I don't know when the the, the uh, there's something that I've been really focusing on in my work over the last couple of years, uh, which is just relaxation, trying to stay really relaxed all the time. And I, for me, part of staying relaxed is not caring about whether the scene's <laughs> going to be any good or yeah. not, and just trying to be present and react very honestly and not tell jokes. Which is hard. For sure. So, like, if, uh, you know, if you take these classic in, improv rules, if you will, if, you're, if you have a partner who's maybe um, blocking you or, uh, I don't know, telling jokes or whatever, like, your mode is, is to uh, not worry about that or to, like, what, what is your... <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, what is your... <laughs> What is your response? So, like, in your head, you're not thinking, like, oh, this is not going to go well. Like, what is your, your attitude back to that? Uh, boy, that's a really good question. I mean, yeah, just to, to try to stay relaxed and reactive, to not steer, to not, um, to not try to direct from the stage. That's a big challenge. Once, when, I, when I moved into directing more, I would often find that I was trying to sort of make things happen <laughs> on yeah. I'm moving my hands back and forth like I'm shaping, a, like I'm twisting a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, for um, the folks at home, it's a very maniacal hand yeah, gesture. Um, and uh, and uh, certainly, and again, it's a, but that's your, what you're asking about is a judgment thing. Like if I'm mm-hmm. judging like, oh, you're blocking me here, um, I think the, the attitude that I would have is I would just accept that What's going on here is the character that this person's playing is blocked me and would try to react to it um, in character instead of as a as an improviser who identified that this other improviser has a problem sort of make it right as right as I can while I'm working yeah i um I want to ask you a little bit like that makes me think of i I'm fascinated so you're like you said, you're doing more directing. You've done a lot of acting. You're, um, uh, I might be presumptuous to call you a working actor, but at least like a working person in the creative arts. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think uh, like a lot of people who come here either come from comedy. We, we do have a fair amount of people who act, but like I'm really fascinated by this line between acting and improvisation and people who can do both really well. So like when you say, oh, I'm looking at him and it's like, you know, his character is... Um, blocking me um maybe that's not particularly acting but it seemed like a good segue uh so so are there moments like i feel like if i'm doing uh let me just ask this broadly like what ways do you feel like your acting background informs your improvisation uh uh, let's see. The um, I mean, one of the main things is that I'm just I'm I'm comfortable on a stage. 
um, I can be comfortable in my body on the stage. That's definitely something that I uh, I can do that's different from a lot of people who get into improv coming mm -hmm. not from having a background in the stage. Um, there's something about uh, the the total commitment to the moment um, that you have to have as an actor. The, the, the amount of focus you have to have to get through an entire play, for instance. And to stay in character for an entire play and to stay committed to the world of the play for two and a half, three hours um, is something that I learned when I was very young and I bring with me onto the improv stage. So I, I have a, a pretty easy time maintaining my focus because I practiced it a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, that is really helpful. Uh, but like in that specific moment, it, it's so different in, in improvisation. Like you jump into a character in those first few moments and you don't, you don't it's not like you can go and do your research or right. follow a cab driver around because you're playing a cab right. driver. Um, you know, think of your emotional memory. Do you, do you feel like any of that applies over like you still have some sense of how to do that acting stuff sure or? yeah no definitely you know i had a great uh i took classes with a group in new york called burn manhattan which uh was great classic long-form group in new york and i remember clearly one of the teachers saying um that if you're if you're a working improviser that every every interaction that you have, and this was in New York, so you're interacting with all kinds of people all the time every day, is a potential character that you're going to be able to bring onto the stage with you every night. And mm. it, that, that really got me thinking about how every single deli counter clerk, <laughs> subway token booth operator, <laughs> um, was a, a potential character to play. So... Interestingly, while you're right, when you're on stage, you don't have the ability to do your research. If you know you're going to be improvising a lot, you're doing your research all the time. And mm. You're sort of thinking about it that way, looking for little physical tricks that you see that you can use, um, voices, faces, that sort of thing. And so you kind of keep a catalog in your brain of different things that can happen. Not like I would... <laughs> go through the catalog and pull something out. Right. That's that guy. It's more that it's it's constantly churning in there like you do. Are you cataloging me right now? Yeah. Wow. Totally. That's good. Uh, it, you, you brought up before the fear you had when you started playing, um, and that was interesting because almost everyone I talked to about you preparing for this talked about your fearlessness on stage <laughs> uh, in so many words, and I, I really see that as well. Um, so is that something that I guess you've learned over time. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you if it's just you think part of your personality, but maybe not if it started out like... No, you it's see funny. Yeah, it's because I don't ever feel fearless <laughs> when I'm on stage. Really? It's, yeah, it's really interesting to hear that people say that about me. No, I, I, uh, I describe the feeling that I often have in an improv show as... I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I guess you can... You, you can say whatever as, you oh, want. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, <laughs> fuck. Pretty much where I live, you know, and which is wow. one of the reasons that I'm working so hard on being relaxed because it's, you know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, fascinating. But there is that sort of, there's always that sense of like, uh, oh, wow, I really don't know where this is going, what's going to happen next. And uh, it's about navigating that anxiety, a lot of it. Uh yeah, so, so you, do you still feel, so like obviously when you started you were, there was that sense of fear, like not knowing what it is and that sort of thing, which is different now. Do you still feel like, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but do you still feel some of that, like that oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck when you're on, on yeah, stage? Yeah, there are times, there are times. I mean, I, I've definitely learned to enjoy it, so <laughs> I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call it fear anymore so much as that, yeah, well, maybe it is. <laughs> okay, so, uh, I I didn't promise myself I wasn't going to do this, but but here we go. So uh, we were doing a short form show for a um, group that uh, that was a, the annual convention of people who study menstruation issues. Like uh, <laughs> they don't just 
not just not just the thing itself. It. No, yeah. They, yeah, no, it's it's sort of it's sort of a women's studies kind of kind of a thing. Sure. And they they had the convention here in Pittsburgh, and so we put together a team. Had invited some of our, our folks down from New York who had done off the top of this for years and uh, and did a show for them. And um, one of the things that they said to us was, you know, don't don't joke about the the menstruation. You know, we were like. <laughs> Fair enough. We will it's like not. don't think of it. Exactly elephant. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was and you know every time you do some kind of a corporate job, there's always something. There's always some rule that you're not allowed to break, and that's part of the deal, and that's part of what's fun about it. And of course, in the green room right before you go on, you <laughs> get it all out of your system, yeah. and you say all the terrible things. And uh, and I remember really clearly having having one of those oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck moments which is not it wasn't so much fear as it was i've got nothing i don't i don't have anything funny to say we're coming up on the end of the scene the scene mm. has to end and um and it and then it just kind of it, like it does it just popped in there and i had it and i said it and i was ready to go and the line was the golden tampon <laughs> um which I'm not going to set it all the way up for you, but it seems so obvious now. <laughs> of course, the golden tampon. But at the moment before it came out, I was like, it's not fall. Fuck, I'm done. This is it. This is, I'm crashing and burning. Uh, so I've also had you as a, as a coach before, and I, I love this quote um, from Dave Stork, who, who directed you early in your career. Uh, he said, Sam doesn't waste time overindulging in process. Rather, he, he gets results and he gets them quickly, um, which I, I, find, I, I find your approach to be very, uh, it, 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 all, it almost sounds like it would be, uh, it could be taken in any number of ways, yeah. but I, it's, it's, very, it's very refreshing and I find that very true. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, either, does that sound true to you uh, or, or like, is that surprising? But also maybe just a little bit about your process when you direct or, or coach. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of patience, and uh, <laughs> really, uh, yeah, it's it's you know, and it's 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 always an issue, right? Because process is is so important, and it's what it's all about, and you have to be open to it. But by the same token, um, one of the reasons that I thought. Um, that it was really important to, to work on short form with everybody that was that was doing long form was uh, when you're doing short form there's nowhere to hide you know you <laughs> yeah. can't you can't kind of fart around for 10 minutes waiting for something <laughs> good to happen um, and you can't you can't kind of hide the places where your skills are not really sharp um, the way that you can in long form and this was partly because I had started teaching and I was watching a lot of my students get away with stuff <laughs> on, in a long-form show that I could see them, I could see them not, not working their skills because they didn't have to, because they could, kind of, they could kind of hide out on the back line or in a scene. Or and, not even enter the scene. Or not even <laughs> enter the scene. Yeah. Um, so... I was really interested. Whoops! I'm going to put this back on. I was really interested in trying to figure out how. I mean, you know, the title of the book is something wonderful right away, you know, and it's 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 about being able to to pounce when the thing happens, you know, and uh, so this this quote about not not wanting to indulge in in process is definitely. Uh, it definitely true of my philosophy about uh, how to be a good improviser is that you've got to you've got to see it and know what it is as soon as it happens and not allow uh, opportunities to go to waste and that goes for when you're actually performing on the stage and I think it also goes for the just the process of learning how to do it you know I don't um, I don't think that people should waste a lot of time uh, trying to think about the way it all works. I just want to see them I want to see them learning and doing and making progress. It's definitely interesting. So it's like less about like you 
even at the bar after, will you not spend time talking about theory? Never. Or, no, no, I will sometimes. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, okay, so within the company that Dave Stork directed, there was a, um, it was fairly big, eight or nine of us. I like to work fast, and there was another person in the company who liked to work slow, yeah. and she was driving fucking crazy <laughs> every show. And I, um, I went to Dave to talk to him about it, and he said, you know, her process is just completely different than yours. Um, which was good to hear because I had sort of assumed that she didn't have any kind of a process <laughs> because she was driving me so crazy. And um, he was right, and that helped a lot. He really helped me to see that there are different people who like to learn things and do things in different ways and improvise in different ways. Um, so, I, you know, I get it. And it's just not something that I... Uh, that, that feeds me. Yeah. You know. Uh, speaking of feeding you, yes. we're going to do a set. Um, so on the podcast, I always try to get, uh, you know, talk to my guests to say, what do you want to do? What could be the most fun for you? Um, you chose to do some short form with me, which yes. I love. Good. Uh, and I haven't been doing, I'm a little out of practice. Good. I've been perfect coaching a little bit, but not doing short form in a long time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about just uh, why you, you chose to? We've talked a lot about short form. It might be obvious, but I'd like to just hear a little bit about um, why that was your first choice, maybe? Um, I mean, a couple of reasons. It's something that uh, I've worked a lot on, and I've worked on um, sort of a, a philosophy of short form, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing some and then being able to chat about it after. Is there anything I need to know about your philosophy of short form to, um, to match short form with you? I don't think so. Um, just know that, that I, I, I do. I like, to, I like to work fast, so we'll, we'll be... It'll we'll be, be fast. Yeah, we'll be, All right. we'll be moving through this pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and uh, the other reason that I wanted to do it was... Um, you know, I uh, short form is is something that I I have a lot of respect for because I don't think it's that easy to do it well. Yeah. And uh, and I know that uh, that it's just not you know it's not a amongst the improvinati it's not really <laughs> a, uh, it doesn't it doesn't get the sort of respect that uh, that I kind of wish it did because um, it's. Uh, I remember the the folks in New York called it ch chimp prov because it's you know like here we are we're doing the same stupid game over and over again yeah. and and again that philosophy came from folks who were like in Second City's Bizco who had been had been going out and doing this like a hundred two hundred times a year and like I get it it gets to be a real grind and it it stops being fun after a while and and. I understand why they were really interested in branching out and trying things that were more challenging and doing long form. And um, I, the best long form that I've seen is always more interesting than any even really good short form. And I get it. And I love doing long form too. Uh, let's do it. Let's do some short form. As you can hear about this time, we pretty much lost the mics, but conveniently, we also lost my completely botched introduction of Gab Cody, who Sam brought in to host the short form set for us. So the next voice you hear will be hers, and another big thank you to Gab for doing a wonderful job hosting the short form set. We're going to play a game called Ding. This is the Ding to control what happens on the stage. And uh, for those of you who know me, of course, I delight in controlling people. So um, the game is very simple. Basically what happens is uh, when I ding the bell, uh, one of these guys uh, who's just spoken will know that they have to say something else. So for example, if Sam were to say, Gab, I'm so glad that you could join us tonight. <laughs> you have to turn the yeah turn the thing. <laughs> there it is. 
Okay, so when I ding the bell, he has to say something else. <laughs> Gab, I'm so glad you could join us here tonight. Gab, I wish we had introduced you better. <laughs> Gab, you're looking lovely. Okay, great. So I'll keep that because, you know, we have to go home together. So, um, so that's what happens. And whatever the last thing that is said, that becomes the reality of the scene moving forward. So to help these guys, uh, let's give them something like um, the worst gift. Oh, the worst gift. This is just fabulous and it's going to really add an element of fuck all to this. So, um, the worst gift that you ever received from someone. Just shout it out to me right now. The worst gift that you ever received that you couldn't return, but it was just the worst. Uh, an earthquake kit. Survival kit. <laughs> Thank you very much. So your suggestion is earthquake survival kit. And let's start, start with a round of applause. Yay! Water! Uh, water! Uh, light flashlight! I can't believe we made it through. I feel, I feel electric. I feel, I feel erotic. I feel, I feel nothing in my hand. My hand is there. I, my hand I, is there. I squeeze. don't feel it. Squeeze it. I'm squeezing as hard as I can, Jim. You've got earthquake fever. What? <laughs> You've got dengue fever. Yes. <laughs> Got my heart on a string. <laughs> no! Yes, I'm do. still in love with my wife. She's out there, I know it. She's dead. That city's you fallen don't down. Know that. Just the two of us. You did you want this earthquake to come? Yes. No. <laughs> Deep inside of me, there was a part of me that wished it would come. I knew it. I knew it from the moment I you invited me to tea that you just wanted an earthquake so that my wife would die and we would be left alone. And damn it, we didn't even get to drink tea yet. <laughs> I still can't feel my hand. You're gonna have to serve it into my mouth. You're gonna have to pour it all over me. You're gonna have to Give me a cracker first. You're gonna have to unbutton my shirt. You're gonna have to run away. I'm drunk. And there was problems. That wasn't distilled water you were drinking. I, there were so many bottles of water. There are no bottles of water. <laughs> Thank you very much, lawyer and client. <laughs> Mr. Perkins, I'm glad you could join me. Have a seat. I figured a lawyer would have a bigger office. Well, I'm, uh, I'm not a very good lawyer. <laughs> you came highly recommended. Yes. Well, you, you offered me a seat, but I, I'm sorry, I don't actually have any chairs. Please sit on the bench. I specialize in the kind of I'm sorry case that can you see you over the desk. <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't have to see me. <laughs> Just a little. I I feel like eye contact builds trust. Kind of that would be great. <laughs> I specialize in exactly the kind of case you that you you specialize in murder. murder. 
special power of empathy. Oh, God. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know who you are. I know why you're here. I know who I am. Who am I? I'm whoever you want to be. I understand your fear. I want to be confident. I want to be confident. Can I bite you? Yes, thank please. You, Gab Cody, thank you, Gab Cody. Our short form that was really fun for me. I, it was interesting. <clears throat> the thing I noticed certainly first is that like you have the ability to stare unbreakingly into my <laughs> eyes while she's freezing us in a way that I couldn't handle. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I can't make eye contact that long, which I'm ashamed of. Mm. I make my students do it. And I really? Can't nice. do. We had some more audio problems at this point. Uh, most of what was lost was just me blabbering, so we'll get back to Sam. Sano, what did you think? Did you what did you think of the set? Um, I thought the set was was actually really great. It was, yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that we worked really hard on, and one of the reasons I wanted Gab Cody to to come and host was we figured out early in our our process of developing the short form show that the host is. Um, is integral to the to the effectiveness of the, the short form, yeah. and we just drilled it every day for literally for years, just making sure that we brought everybody up to snuff. And I was saying before that we would um, we wouldn't let anybody play who hadn't sort of earned their their way onto the stage. And sometimes people would would play for months before they were ever allowed to host anything. Mm. And we'd go back to rehearsal with them and just drill the drill the basics of um, everything you need to know about the game, everything you need to know about keeping the set moving, everything you need to know about working with the actors. And um, Gab and I were I mean I was I was in when we were playing the the game that we call Scorsese. There were several times that I sort of made an offer that was an offer for Gab to be able to... I started to pick that up too. I was like, oh, Sam gets all the good Scorsese things. And I'm like, I think he's leading into those. I started to pick it up, but it was all too late. But uh, no, that's great. And she, she did do a really wonderful job hosting in that. I think it was like, it, it like brings up the energy back in and it's fun, um, which was, was really nice. Even for me in it, I'm like, that's a nice break. Um, and, and, but the, the audience energy doesn't go down. Um, let's take a question or yes. two, if there are. Uh, tell me recently who teaches short form improv. Say to me, um, the people that he teaches aren't ready for long form. They're too new. Um, first, your opinion about that, and also, can you touch upon the difference um, how you approach teaching long form and short form? Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I think anybody, anybody who is learning how to improvise can practice doing either short form or long form. I don't, I, it's not my uh, opinion on the matter that you, you have to do one and then do the other one. Um, I, I understand why some people do think that, and I think it goes back to the, the thing that I was saying before. I mean, my, my the way that I think about all of improv is that you should be able, you know, if you want to be really good at it, you should be able to do both things and do them effectively. Um, and then the other question was, uh, was it just how are they different? Is that what you said? How do you approach? How do you approach them differently? Teaching? Um, uh, I don't really, honestly. Uh, I I mean, there are there are the, the particular skills that you have to have. Uh, to be effective at long form, uh, the, the just really basic techniques, swinging doors, and all of the all of the, the being able to do callbacks and being able to track a show over the course of the show um, that are different from from short form. So the content of what you're teaching obviously is a little bit different, but I think philosophically 
for me, there's really no difference. It's all it's all improv, and for me, it's all about um, not burning your steps, getting there as fast as you can get there. Um, and when I say getting there, what I mean is figuring out what's going on as fast as you can, so that then you can play. Um, and I don't really think there's a difference between truncating the the arc of uh, a short form scene so that you can heighten fast and get your blackout and heightening um, and taking a much slower arc over the course of a long form scene. It's the same stuff, it's just a matter of doing it uh, sooner. Would you say there's a difference in that, in long form though? Like, like I would still say in long form you want to get figure out what your scene is about quickly. Yeah. Um, you, you definitely have you have more time to you have more time to splash around. But, right. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's still but it's it's a very similar thing. You're looking for the same you're looking for that same moment where everybody's in agreement and then you can be off to the races. Um, and you do, you just I think that short form tends to be a much higher energy um, style of improv. Um, and the, the secret is to not be frantic <laughs> when you're doing it. Um, but you, you, a short form show, when, when directed by me, wants to be a very high energy show, wants to keep the audience really engaged all the time. One of the wonderful things about a short form show as opposed to a long form show is that when you, when you have a stinker, it's over in like three minutes. You're only <laughs> the next one. And hope springs eternal that the next one's not going to stink. Um, and it's it's harder to pull out of those nose dives. You're living that stink. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Yes, I was just about to ask. Please. Oh, my son. There it is. I guess it's kind of it's kind of going down the same rabbit hole slightly, but. Um, when you when you work with students, what do you uh, with the two different forms? What do you find the most challenging instructing them to do in either one, in short form or in long form? You may have kind of covered in what you just kind of answered before, but is there anything like I'm kind of going to be boiling it down to like a piece of advice or a piece of thing of you should focus on this, or most people should focus on this in short form, and most people you really need to focus on this in long form? Or do you see that needs to be maybe needs to be fixed out? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're teaching, it's always uh, it's always based on what an individual's skills are and what they're developing, what they're stronger with or not stronger with. I think the the thing that I see that is the most challenging, especially for beginners, is trusting that that first thing that happened was the thing. Um, usually, and this it's a, again, it's the same thing at the beginning of a scene, whether you're doing a long form or a short form scene. Um, you just watch them drive right past four and five great things. You know, you're like, would you just whack those right? And so you wait, and then you note them afterwards, or you start side coaching. You're like, that was the thing. Would you go back and pick that up, please? <laughs> um, and I think um, I don't know. It's hard. It's I don't know. Pattern identification. They just don't. Uh, they either don't trust it or they just plain don't see it um, when they're starting out. And uh, I don't, I, I've, I've never figured out a way to get them to see it better other than to just keep telling them that was it. That was, that was the one. That's what we were looking for. That would have been a great place to, to grab One question, I just want to get your opinion on this and get back to this, but the group I'm working with now in short form, we've, we've been trying to not with games where this is possible, but not try to introduce the gimmick until they've gotten that, like yeah. until they get what that game is yeah. about. And I wonder if you had done that before I tried it. Yeah, yeah, was a, that was a, a, but it's, a big part of our, our what we did okay. as we were developing the show. So that might be really cool. Uh, is another question? Uh, sure. Uh, I, uh, one thing I, I've seen before a couple of times, one thing I really love is uh, there's really no wasted words in your performance, like, you don't repeat yourself a lot, there's no, like, stuttering where you're trying to find it, it always seems like there's a clear point of view from what you're doing. Uh, so I guess I was wondering, 
when you're in a scene, like, what are you consciously thinking of? Like, are you consciously thinking game? Are you consciously thinking emotion? Are you constantly thinking, consciously thinking of what you're trying to get in your scene? Uh, I guess, like, what is, what is on that top level? If it's, if it's going well, I'm not consciously thinking about it. Uh, as, as weird as that is to say. And when it's going really well, I'm just relaxed and reacting and trying not to think too much, uh, if at all. Um, which, you know, is, is, is great in the moment. It's definitely, it can be a real hindrance sometimes when I'm doing, I don't know if it's a hindrance per se, if I, if I really trust it, um, then things like callbacks in, in long forms um, happen without me having to consciously force them to happen. I spent a lot of time when I was learning how to do long form, sort of trying to, trying to grab the, the thing and be like, and now we're gonna have this callback. And it never went as well as when I was just relaxed and playing and a callback would kind of, kind of stumble into one. And it took me a long time to accept that that was the right way to play <laughs> and not the wrong way play because it would just kind of keep happening and I thought that since I didn't consciously make it happen that it must be wrong and uh, it, it I figured out that actually that's the place you want to be and all the people that I've watched who I really respect are capable of playing that way of just sort of wandering into the really good stuff um, and uh, yeah it's 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 not easy. It's not easy to be unconscious on stage. I tell students all the time that um, the, the best shows are the ones where you walk off stage and you're like, what happened? I have no idea what just happened out there. You know? And you can piece it together later on. But if you were, if you were really relaxed and really listening, then um, you weren't ever... Um, I, th I think it's a very similar thing to when you go to see a really great movie or a really good play and you have that moment where you suddenly come back to yourself, you suddenly come back to your conscious self, and then you realize that you've been, you've been gone, your sort of conscious mind had been absent and engaged in, in the piece, and it's only when you arrive back behind your eyes that you realize that um, it had transported you. And uh, when I'm improvising effectively, that's, it's the same thing. I'll sort of, I'll be on the back line and suddenly return to myself. That's always a good sign. It means that I was elsewhere. Do, do you think to play that way, do you have to play consciously, like for a while, to learn? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know that there's any other way to learn how to do it, right? Other than and then after a while, you just let those training wheels get like it. Yeah, I think so. And I don't know that I've ever. I don't know that I've ever st stuck around teaching people long enough to kind of carry them all the way there. Honestly, I mean, I, you, can, you, can, you can tell students all you want about what they're shooting for, but something like that that's so ephemeral and requires so much uh, knowledge and skill is not something, honestly, that can be taught. It can be told, but I think it's something that people really have to, they hear it enough and they gain enough experience and then they're able to hopefully get there. Uh, well, Sam, this has been wonderful. Thank you again for coming on the show. Um, I want to give you an opportunity if you have anything you want to plug to my enormous listenership. <laughs> uh, next weekend, yeah, Cody and I are going to come and do uh, the show What Gene Said. Yeah. Right here at the Still City Improv Theater Fantastic. on Friday? What day is it? Friday? Saturday? I'm imagining. The 19th. Friday the 19th. Friday the 19th. Um, and, uh, and yeah, keep an eye out for the, the feature film progression that we uh, have recently completed and we are submitting the film festivals now, so we'll be hearing more about that. Super exciting. Um, one other thing that you can do is um, go to YouTube or Vimeo and look for a movie called Mombies that Gab and I made uh, a few years ago. It's a um, loving homage to Night of the Living Dead, but it's about Mother. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, I can see it online. Yeah. I saw it in the comments. That would be great. Yeah. For all my Detroit listeners, that uh, Iguanatron, as well as a ton of other Pittsburgh groups, I think five total, are going to the Detroit Improv Festival 
August 8th. Uh, do check that out. And then uh, without further ado, if you enjoyed this episode, all of you guys and everyone at home, please come back next month on August 17th. I'll be talking with former skit teacher, now LA resident and iOS performer, Mike Capristo. Yeah. Our podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the Steel City Improv Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Special thanks to Omar Arnelis for production support, Aaron Tarnow for tech, the beautiful and talented Michelle Horsley for our opening theme, and of course, Sam Turek. For this and, and Gab Cody, uh, for this and past episodes, head over to brianmgray.com slash podcast. And please, always, please, if you like the show, leave a review on iTunes so anyone else will ever hear it. Uh, thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thanks so much. Hey, great. Yeah, it was so much fun.